Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If I'm this bad person, look at the things they wrote about me. These papers wrote me. I supplied these guns to these rebel kids in Africa. I had a billion dollars worth of cocaine, went through America. Come on. But this really happened in America. I'm in America. I'm very pleased to be here today for this important announcement of a series of actions to counter the Canadian transnational I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The antics of Daniel Kinahan and his insistence that he is an innocent boxing promoter, wrongly accused of involvement in organised crime, spectacularly backfired this week. In an extraordinary conference in Dublin, the Kinahan mob were sanctioned just like Russian oligarchs and the forces of law from the US, Europe and the UK stood together to declare Christy Kinahan Sr. and his two sons, Daniel and Christopher Jr. as enemies of the state. In a series of speeches, border officers, police chiefs and our own commissioners laid bare the Kinahan's journey from the streets of Dublin to the very top of a trans-global network dealing in drugs, guns and murder while laundering one billion euro of profits in business interests across the world. Today, I'm talking with Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the most incredible day in Irish criminal history, one which will cement the role the Kinnahans have played in changing the face of crime fighting for good. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So, Niall, I'm on my hollybops again and I'm talking to you from a hotel room and this is ridiculous. The last time I went on holidays, the monk got arrested and I had to tune in from wherever the hell I was. Yeah, a lesser person would say it's a, it's it's not a coincidence, it's a conspiracy, is it? To avoid a bit of work. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, it is. Actually, that's what it actually, 
That's what it actually feels like, as if it's some sort of a conspiracy. I was literally flying out of Dublin Airport this morning, watching that sensational press conference on my phone as I waited to, bo- to board an airline. Um, no matter what, today was an incredible day. And, um, you know, seeing those forces of law join together, come together and to hear them name the Kinnahans, Christy Kinnahan Sr., the two sons and other members of the organisation was just amazing. It really brought home how big they are. It's incredible, I think, to, to see, you know, because obviously we've spoken again and again about the kind of the uh, the propaganda campaign. And in many ways, it's felt like the uh, the Daniel Kinahan propaganda wing is winning because you just see it all across the international media all the time. And he's just treated as a normal, legitimate businessman. That's just the way it's been. And I think all Irish media has felt a bit kind of under siege from that. But then to see um, Daniel, his father and his and his brother, Christopher Jr., to be put up with basically with a traditional U.S. wanted picture, you know, it really was quite, e- even though, you know, you get a sense that something like this is coming. It's still it's still quite, you know, it's arresting to see that, mm. re- you know, it's like a an old Scott, old style uh, Western reward poster that, that you would see for for, you know, one of the old Western figures. So it is still, it, it's notable, um, you know, mm. and of course then, you know, you'll know yourself, Nicola, uh, grown up in Ireland, that the guards, traditionally, the language that they use in public appearances is very, very mild. So, you know, the old, you hear the old jokes of, you know, how Gardy describe, you know, murder scenes and such bland terms, nothing to see here kind of terms. But to hear the the the, the Keenan organized crime group described in such blunt terms by Drew Harris and of course even more arguably more uh, blunt terms as Americans are 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 tend to do to hear them described. And I'll just read it out for you. This is the Undersecretary for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, Bryony Nelson, and this is how he describes them. The Keenan organised crime group smuggles deadly narcotics, including cocaine, to Europe and is a threat to the entire illicit economy through its role in international money laundering. Criminal groups like the KOCG, the, the Keenan organised crime group, prey on the most vulnerable in society and bring drug-related crime and violence, including murder, to the countries in which they operate. So that is the blunt terms with those three mm. mugshots there. And uh, yeah. You know, that now is, is I think, going to be the international image of, of Daniel Kinnan. Now, this this all started when a couple of uh, crime hacks, including myself, maybe got a phone call on Sunday just to say to be available on Tuesday morning. There was a press conference going to be held in City Hall and the guards, it was going to be chaired by uh, the Assistant Commissioner, John O'Driscoll, who, of course, has really headed up this fight against the Kinahan Organised Crime Group, has actually put off his retirement and has been given an extension in order to see out what it is he's doing. Um, it was to be chaired by him and I was certainly told there was going to be some international partners there. But, you know... We knew this was big news. Actually, when I heard it first, I thought, oh, my God, they've got him. He's on the way home. They've they've arrested him in Dubai. It seemed very quick to the uh, extradition of Rafael Imperiale. There's usually a distance between these arrests. Uh, of course, he has just been sent back to Italy on, only in recent weeks. The um, 
the alleged head of the Camorra Mafia and a business partner of Kinahan. Um, so anyway, this morning, I have to say I wasn't expecting that kind of lineup of heavyweights. The US Treasury, the DEA, which is the Drugs Enforcement Agency, um, and the Border Control. We had Europol, we had NCA, and I'm missing out one of them, the most significant of all. So, yeah, so the, the body there that are, that are officially sanctioned uh, criminal organisations and others in the US, um, they're called the Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, and they are mm. um, they are actually in the, the 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 headlines all the last few weeks because of the Russian oligarchs. So I mean, in fact, it said in in that press conference that they've taken some time off from dealing with, with sanctioning the Russian oligarchs to deal with this uh, with the with the with the Kenyan organized crime group. So that shows you that's that's that is the the official body, um, and. That is what they've been doing. So they're going to sanction Kinahan, Christy Kinahan Sr., who we haven't heard of in quite a while. And they clearly place him still at the head of that organisation, even though for a long time, you know, we would believe he's retired. Well, certainly from the more hands-on work, we know he has investments all over the world. Um, they're going to sanction Daniel Kinahan. They're going to sanction Christy Kinahan Jr. And there was others named. We'll come to them maybe in a minute because quite interesting, the ones that were named and those that weren't. But uh, three companies then in the US, a um, a management consultancy company and a boxing management company um, were, were, are all to be sanctioned. So what does that mean? Look, it, it basically means these people can't run their businesses in the US and any assets that they have there um, can be seized. Um, there was seven people named. Uh, Christy is named, Christy Kinahan Sr. is named at the top. Um, it describes his long history of criminality, his convictions for heroin dealing. Um, it says that um, while Daniel and Christopher Jr. now manage the day-to-day operations of the drugs gang that Chris, Christopher Sr. continues to be involved in, uh, in, in property investments and he, uh, Christopher Sr. oversees the por- property portfolios of the enterprise. So that probably does chime with the fact that he's not running the day-to-day operations. Um, Daniel is described as being every member of the Kinnan Organised Crime Group reports to Daniel Kinnan runs the day-to-day of the operations. So, and it says he sources large quantities of cocaine from South America, plays an integral role in organising the supply of drugs into Ireland and is attempting to facilitate the importation of cocaine into the United Kingdom. Um, so you see that's that's the breakdown of what of what they're doing. Um, Christopher Jr., who's always been the, uh, the, the, the lesser light of... The, the guy in the background, yeah. Um, but it says that he is materially or assisting, sponsoring or providing financial material or tech- technological support or goods and services in support of the, the Kinnan Organised Crime Group. So, interestingly, it, it also references um, a story that you wrote recently about he um, about how the, the, the Kinnan, the top level of the Kinnan organisation continued to play prisoners in, in prison. Um, to to continue to to play them while they're in jail, and that's referenced. Uh, Dan, uh, Christopher Junior is referenced as having helping organise those payments. Yeah, because Niall, there is a wage structure there, and we spoke about that before. And I had uh, plenty of uh, 
comments made, you know, suggesting that I was dreaming. But there is clearly a wage structure and that has been laid out in the press conference in the end over the course of these the announcement of these sanctions. They are paying people in prison. They're paying people who have done jobs for them. They have a structure, a cell structure operating in a number of different countries. And they're actually described, I think, as a trans global organization a number of times. Um, what people don't understand is just how much money these guys have made. And on a number of occasions during the press conference, the figure of one billion was mentioned. Yeah, that was it was described as a one billion uh, euro business, which is, you know, a number that we've thrown out and people have all, I think even in the uh, the podcast with James English, Anything Goes, that Daniel, there was a little clip of him rubbishing rubbishing the, the billion euro figure but this this is what they this is what the police forces believe and this is what they are saying on the record and publicly um so that that is the scale of it um, and you can see that that you know how they describe what where they are now is that they've become a kind of a management and logistics organization based in dubai where they can still control shipments and they also have to pay wages pay a structure move money around and they have a, 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 a an elite little network there of people in Dubai doing that. Now, Ian Dixon is named um, as part of these sanctions and Dixon is a cousin of the Kinnahans who was one of the first guys to show up at the MGM gym when it opened in 2012 in Spain. Such a short period of time when you think about that. You know, that is 10 years that they have managed to grow to that level from, you know, they were supposed to have been put out of business by the Spanish and the and the European police forces in 2010. They were then valued at 100 million. So they actually, you know, increased their profits tenfold after being shut down. Yeah, because I mean, I remember Ian Dixon, you know, when they had, the, in, he was working in the old, the old Dubliner bar back in, in yeah. Porta Benus, um I think even the first images we had of him were, I think he had braces on his teeth. I mean, he was a young guy. He was um, he was related to, to, to Christopher and Daniel through their mother. And he had arrived over there and he'd been working with them in, in, in the pub and then ultimately in the gym. Um, so, you know, he was he was family and he obviously became mm-hmm. one of their most trusted from that moment of being just a young man, he became one of the most trusted uh, people there. He was obviously uh, he was he was a target of of the Spanish police at one stage in relation to investigations involving shootings there. Though he was never faced any charges. He was arrested, Nile, along with James Quinn, and questioned in connection with the murder of Gary Hutch. But he never faced charges. No, he never faced charges. He um, obviously the, the the murder of Gary Hutch really sparked the, the wave of bloodshed, and Ian Dixon was 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 arrested, but not charged about that. But he's obviously followed them to Dubai, um, and they describe him as you know as as being based in Dubai. And it says he provides material assistance for Daniel Kinnahan. Ian Dixon has arranged multiple payments on behalf of Daniel Kinnan, as well as moved bulk currency on behalf of Daniel Kinnan in Ireland and in the United Kingdom. And it says Ian Dixon also oversees a fund on behalf of Daniel Kinnan and keeps track of money owed um, by a narcotics trafficker. So these are the people that, that, that you know, while he's surrounded with, with, with other people in the boxing world or whatever who are totally 
separate from that criminal enterprise. These are the people that are managing the, you know, the, the massive criminal funds that still exist. So he's like the financial director, we could say. Yeah, and also a, 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 a trusted guy who can get money, mm. get money off people, move money around, um, make sure other people get money if they're owed money. So the, these are really the money men. Now, Bernard Clancy is named and I loved the way I loved the way Americans can't say Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> and it so doesn't suit him. But uh, Bernard left Dublin uh, way back and was out in Spain at really the turn of the century there with the Kinahan boys, a childhood friend of theirs, I think we could say from within around the Oliver Bond flats where they grew up. Um, he was actually arrested, charged and convicted of uh, a cannabis offence back in, way back in 2000, went to jail for three or so years, uh, remained as a key player for the Kinahans in Spain and obviously only in recent uh, years, as far as I know, the last 12 months, in actual fact, 12 to 18 months, has rattled up in uh, Dubai. Yeah, he was again like, um, you know, so there was other names, you know, Fat Freddie Thompson, people like that who who were making a lot of headlines over a lot of years. But Bernard Clancy was probably one of the most trusted people um, that really made it all happen over in 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 in, in Spain. And he was living over Bernard, there. Say Bernard, say Bernard, but I Bernard, um, but uh no um he he was he was he grew up in Oliver Bond and I think um you know he was arrested as part of Operation Shovel and was named by the Spanish police at that point. Um uh, but he really stayed under the radar. And, you know, I, I did hear that he absolutely got the shock of his life when he did start appearing in the in the Sunday world in recent in recent times. So he's he if you want um, a couple of quotes about what they they say about yeah, him. Yeah, what do they say about him, about Bernard? He was another Dubai based member who was designated for material assisting, sponsoring or providing financial material, etc., so he he's a key, they describe him as a key KOCG lieutenant, who among other duties is tasked by Daniel Killahan with providing wages to elements within the KOCG and payments to others. So again, these are, are just a tight little network that that, that are are making the whole thing happen, greasing the wheels of, of, of a massive business, really. Yeah. I mean, look, I have been told that he he would be with he would be with his master to the death if he could, you know. He is just seems to be one of the most loyal of servants that uh, Daniel Kinnahan ever picked up along the way. Um we move on to Johnny Morrissey, who is somebody that I think we alone have been writing about in the Sunday world in the last sort of five years or so. Morrissey was originally from Manchester. He was he is a suspected hitman and uh, enforcer. And I think the uh, those papers today name him as an enforcer for the Kinahan mob. Morrissey lived here for a while. He lived down around Cork. He was a target of the Criminal Assets Bureau. And he was so angry that they were going to take any money off him that he actually plotted to kill Barry Galvin, the then le- uh, cab legal officer. And he got in tow with my old friend, the penguin, Georgie Mitchell. And the story was that Georgie Mitchell was to provide the gun and he was going to do the job. And I think that's why uh, Barry Galvin was actually given a firearm uh, for his own protection. He's probably the only civilian, I think, 
that I can certainly, that springs to mind, that would have been given firearms training and all the rest of it because of that. And that was in the very early days of the Criminal Assets Bureau. Morrissey disappears out of Ireland. He gives up the, the battle against the cab and loses his money, goes out to Spain, where he has just been building this extraordinary house, which is why I sort of started writing about him initially. He was palling around at the Kinnahans, but he's obsessed with these kind of gods and Nero. And and I mean, the state of him, like he looks no more like a, any sort of a, a god uh, character. He's a big, big guy with a big, big belly, uh, big English accent, very loud, the sort of guy you can imagine, bald head, a cigar in his mouth. But he was building this monstrosity of a house out there had had a very fancy wedding in Scotland, really flashing the cash and really feeling mm. untouchable. Yeah, a very different guy than the other guys we've mentioned, Ian Dixon and, and, and Bernard Clancy. Um, like he was very prolific on social media, absolutely mm. uh, putting out a lot of videos, a lot of stuff in support of Daniel as well, like a totally different type of character. Um, more or less like, a, a, almost like a, one of these celebrity gangsters in the UK terms where it was kind of maybe not denying his, his involvement in criminality in the past, but kind of putting it out as if he'd, he'd moved on now and had become, you know, a, a sort of a, a good fella, a retired good fella. Um, yeah. But, you know, there was always then the other side of, you would hear people to say that that is that, that kind of, I'm a retired uh, former, former wild guy gone straight um, who's just now involved in these legitimate businesses was not so true. Um, and, you know, again, the documents put out today say Johnny Morrissey has worked for the Kinnan Organised Crime Group for several years, including as an enforcer, and facilitates international shipments for the organisation from South, Amer South America. John Morrissey is also involved in money laundering, stated bluntly. Um, so, you know, he... he Johnny Marcy was not one of these under, you know, under the radar guys. He was ab above the radar. Yeah, he was the flashiest one I've ever seen, I have to say. I mean, sure, look, he used to post videos of this house that he was building and, and show everybody around and the swimming pool. And there was some sort of a stained glass window he got for some, you know, with a stairwell or something. And it was Nero. And he was just obsessed with that. And he had a very glamorous wife. She too gets a shout out uh, today because she is the CEO of his business, Nero Vodka, which he has been pushing. In actual fact, Niall, I think the last story I wrote about him was he was having a party, a, a launch party for Nero Vodka. And there was a load of models at it, including some from Ireland. And they were all there. And they, it was kind of COVID times here and everything was closed down. And they were there in Spain outside having this really expensive, it was like the Oscars. But Nero Vodka, amazingly, Surprise, surprise, is part of... Uh, is one of the, uh, the companies directly sanctioned again. And again, like like yeah. Johnny Morrissey, again, like Daniel was, you know, sure, why would I be hiding this? I'm just, uh, this Nero business is just a legitimate business and he's flying models in. And of course, and, and in fairness to them, they wouldn't have known anything uh, necessarily about it, about the company or about him. But, you know, so again, like he, he, he was that type of, guy that this was this was here he was a guy gone good yeah. but Nero drinks is is uh, a, a drinks company is one of the companies that are included on the US sanction list 
And um, I've, if I'll read you out a bit of what they say. John Morrissey, who outward, outwardly serves as Neurodrinks band ambassador, is heavily involved in Neurodrinks and has given a significant portion of the business to Daniel Kinahan to compensate for loads of drugs seized by law enforcement. John Morrissey controls and operates Neurodrinks through his wife, the primary shareholder, who was used as a front person for his interests. So it's, it's blunt again blunt uh, American language, not uh, alleged or... Yeah, yeah. I was interested. Okay, Sean McGovern got the outing of his life. He's wanted for murder. They said it straight. Um, But I was more interested because I knew that because he he actually left Ireland and headed to Dubai in the aftermath of the murder of Noel Duck Egg Kerwin, the monk's pal, an innocent man who was shot down and died in his partner's arms around Christmas time. and he has never returned to Ireland, McGovern. His house was seized by the Criminal Assets Bureau. And uh, he's been by Daniel Kinahan's side. And I've often been told that he is the guy that Kinahan seeks advice from. And, you know, he he's almost become his sort of, uh, yeah, his advisor, really. But what I was interested in, do you see how they mentioned that he he does the communications for him? McGovern is running the communications for him because we do know that Daniel Kinahan has been not only running a public PR campaign, but behind the scenes, they have been running some black ops and they have been targeting people. They have been, you know, targeting journalists, trying to get stories published. Um, you know, they have been running social media claiming to be involved in law enforcement when they're not. They've been using this kind of activity to try and garner information on where police uh, investigations are regarding them. And I know I certainly have had some full on um, one on one communication from people that I always and knew in my heart and soul were coming from Daniel. But it was coming through McGovern. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, they actually describe him as Daniel Kinnan's closest confidant is actually the, the description they yeah. use. And they say evidence indicates that all dealings with Daniel Kinnan go through Sean McGovern. So, I mean, that's all dealings of, a, of an illicit nature. And that Sean McGovern has also managed communications on behalf of Daniel Kinnan, and he sells multi-kilogram quantities of cocaine. So really you have Daniel is keeping one step away from anything talking on phones about drug shipments and Sean McGovern is the guy that's designated to do that. Um, yeah, Sean McGovern obviously had been part of the the, the Lean Burn organisation but really abandoned him and took up with Daniel. So, I mean, there's a warrant out for his arrest. It's put out. Very rare again for the Gardaí to say that uh, in advance of somebody appearing in court and um, it's very hard to see that he won't be on a plane at some point in the near future with an actual warrant out for his arrest. Yeah, because we should say, like, while it was a very, I felt it was a very proud day for for the good guys, really, you know, and I felt very emotional hearing them coming out and speaking of the vastness of this organisation and the amount of work that they were doing together and their commitment to bringing them down. And that commitment clearly has been rubber stamped by Joe Biden since he became president. And obviously this has all been, you know, the sanctions have been sanctioned, haven't they, from on high. The $5 million reward for information relating to the businesses of the Kinahans. I might uh, even 
go forth and claim some of that myself. I'll dust down my old notebooks and see what I can find. Um, but it's it was pretty sensational day for law enforcement. And it is great to see our guys b- being able to speak because they are so, you know, they do hold themselves back a lot and they're always seem to be very nervous compared to the the likes of the National Crime Agency in the UK, Europol when they get going. And obviously the Americans are fantastic. They're always uh, saying things that you just go, my God, that'll never happen this side of the Atlantic. Yeah, they give you a bang for your book. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it is, um, you know, the, the, like it has been a, a, you see, they do mention, and I've read it out earlier about how the impact of, of, you know, having these sort of this this sort of subculture exists within a country, and what it does mm. is it corrupts it corrupts a country to have one billion one billion pound business operating completely out of any uh, touch with the law, and you know people can say you know people want to do drugs and people are just providing it, and that's you know there's there is that argument, but the other argument against it is if you allow these organisations to become so powerful. And you've seen how powerful Daniel Kinnan has become in the world of boxing. What they do is they corrupt society. And you see societies that have left um, organised crime run out of control. And you see the fact that it corrupt every single level of society, law enforcement, um, ordinary business. And it happened in the US, of course, um, mm. in, in previous generations in, in the 19. 19- in the 1930s during prohibition and maybe in the 1960s as, as the mafia really took a control of everything that happened in New York. So everybody had to pay bribes. Everybody was at risk of violence. And so it is a good day. Um, it's not about mm-hmm. imagining, you know, it's not about imagining that this is the end of the drugs trade in Ireland or anything like that, but it's about, it's about uh, holding people accountable and not allowing, um, uh, you know, people want uh, politicians to be held accountable. They want, you know, the police to be held accountable, but these other this other subcultures in society need also to be accountable to the law. Mm. And let's be realistic: like there was a point at which the the, the Kinnan organised crime group really got more powerful than the structures that were there, mm. and they couldn't be contained because of the way they went international. And so it is a good day. Yeah, and I think probably the thing is that it is it's a day to kind of you know. For, for them to celebrate what they've done so far. But I think we all need to recognise it ain't over yet. There's more to come. And what they have put in place really is, you know, we always talk about John Gilligan gifting the criminal underworld to the Criminal Assets Bureau. And then with all those challenges he took to it, you know, watertighting that legislation that surrounds it because, you know, he, he they had to fight him and it, he lost all those. In the case of the Kinnahans, I think the Kinnahans have gifted the underworld and the generations that come behind them, this structure, which is these law enforcement agencies, the NCA, Europol, the Irish Guardi, their uh, American counterparts working together to kind of, you know, to shut down this global organisation through every means they have and together and in sharing that intelligence. And I think really it'll take a long time for another criminal gang to come up, become so big and be allowed build up to what the Kinnahans have become. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they were, it is a once in a, a, a once in a lifetime in an Irish sense, but you know, you see the world changes, the journalism changes. We work there and, you know, the, the digitization and the ability of the internet and all these things had the same impact on organized crime. And, you know, the state has taken time to catch up, but the thing that the thing that um, 
if you look at the 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 Kinnan propaganda machine that we've all seen in operation, but you know, you all you can never underestimate the power of of, of national governments because you see today, whatever about the Daniel getting a few boxers to say he's a great guy or doing a kind of a little podcast or whatever. The power of the state, of the national bodies, when they get going, they may move slowly, but when they do, you know, to have people stand there and put out, you know, I'm not saying it's propaganda, mm-hmm. but to put out a message there, they can do it so much more powerfully. And interestingly, I've been sitting on Twitter all day, and now I could be, by the time this comes out, maybe things will have changed, but not a single boxer of or, or, or fellow traveller has, has tweeted about it yet. And I wonder now, I would say, somebody has given Daniel advice, somebody maybe with a background in PR, and that's going to percolate out now to some of his yeah. some of his guys, some of the people who speak on his behalf, and it'll be a certain type of message. But nothing naturally or organically has come out yet. But let's see the next few hours. I'd say you'll get a line and you'll get it pushed out. You know, I wonder, though, you know, will you or is there absolute stun and awe? And, and, you know, in the end of the day, with the US authorities coming on the way they have there, like it is a criminal offence to launder money. So there's absolutely no doubt that they are saying they've been doing that in the US. That's a criminal offence. I wouldn't like to be standing in a US courtroom to be put away for any amount of time, you know, because you, you never come back out of prison there. I mean, I know he's wanted and they're wanted here in Ireland and, and the European police forces as well have stuff on them. But I mean, the States has to be scary. The thoughts of going into prison with Joaquim El Chapo Guzman or something. Well, I mean, you have to look at it this way as well. While there has been a nod and a wink with Daniel and, and the boxing and his role in that and then the role that that legitimate companies that are broadcast companies you know that they've they've must have known that he's there somewhere in the background they may not be dealing with him directly but you know they they, they they're willing to take take that a bit of a risk because they need access to these to these to these sporting events like are they really going to be willing to to even have him in the background there somewhere and to negotiate fight deals or whatever they have to do other legitimate companies, are they going to be willing to, to at some point be held accountable before US court if you're the, the head of a, of, a, of a broadcast company, say? And I think that's a huge problem for um, uh, for him going forward and his role in boxing. I mean, are, 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 is he going to be able to be an advisor to somebody publicly and then have that, that person appear on, 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 you know, some legitimate network? I don't know. I, don't, I think that day is 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 gonna come to an end, and um, so it is. Uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be an interesting few months, um, but ultimately, you know, the 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 it's interesting the the route of the the five million pound reward as well. Uh, you know, mm. it, it, you know the problem I think for you know obviously the people the people with the information. It's you know if it's a journalist they're going to write it up, but it, the people with the real information that are going to be tempted by the five million are the people within the criminal underworld, and that is who they're aiming at, because you know they're looking for somebody, aren't they? Looking for somebody to. They sure are, but I mean maybe I do, and like if I got that five million or even a little bit of it, I might actually be able to go on a goddamn holiday without having to do, 
a little bit of work. Well, maybe Johnny um, Morrissey could tell you his nice house. Who knows? Oh, yeah, I'd like that now. Par- party with Nero standing beside me at the pool. Um, no, but seriously, I do want to finish on that and the boxing. And there are so many people in boxing who have, you know, a lot of questions to ask themselves at this point. And the, those people that have been out there defending Kinahan, ridiculing the media, suggesting that there is a conspiracy theory against... Um, you know, against Kinahan that he's been, he's absolutely innocent. He's done nothing wrong. He's a really good guy. Like those people, I would love to hear what they have to say now. And do they just, do they stand there and do they look at all those powerful entities that came forward today and said what they did? Or do they just carry on regardless? I mean, the big corporates have a massive problem going forward. Very significant individuals in boxing have a massive problem going forward. And it's just hard to see how they can untangle themselves at this stage. It is hard, but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't believe that people will be shamed into silence. And that that's that's I'm betting they won't. Not everybody will be. Yeah, well, you're probably right. Now, listen, I want to go and have a glass of wine. OK, so um I don't want to talk to you again for the rest of the week and I don't mean to insult you or anything like that. I know you don't. I, um, I, I know you don't. I know you, you will want to talk to me anyway, Nicola, to have more words. Yeah, no, no, I, I absolutely will not. Phone is going off and um, yeah, look, a very significant day and we will talk about it further as we digest the news. There's plenty more stuff in that. I want to read it all up. Um, there was a few little quirky bits I didn't realise. Christopher Senior had a Bentley seized from in the UK or a house. I had no idea about that. I want to have a look at that. Um, and obviously the Sunday world on Sunday, no doubt, will be full of fabulous lines and exclusives. Not written by me. Yes. <laughs> All right. OK. <laughs> so crack the whip there, Niall. And, I um, will. You know me. Look, thanks a million. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.